What a day, what a day, what a day. Turn with me to Ephesians 6. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Special emphasis on the first word this morning, finally. Last message of this series, finally. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. When Paul wrote this, he's referring to the Old Testament. But the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and the apostolic witness to Jesus Christ is what we have in the New Testament. So when we speak of the Word of God, we're speaking of Old and New Testament. We're talking about the Bible. And Paul says the Word of God is like a sword. It's for using, it's a weapon for spiritual battle. We are to take up the sword of the Spirit as we battle not against flesh and blood, but against these principalities and powers. He has in mind this, this short sword that was used by Roman soldiers in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And often people observe that here we find an offensive weapon. That is, all the other armor is primarily defensive, and here we have something that's used in offense. But honestly, once you get into hand-to-hand -in -hand, hand -hand combat, and you're in the fight for your life, the line between offense and defense gets blurred. And you're simply in the battle and trying to secure the victory, whatever it takes. And so here when we talk about the Word of God, we're talking about something essential. Without the sword, what use is all the other armor? The sword has to be in your hand to gain a victory. Now, this sword is the Word of God because in a spiritual battle, it's always a battle for the mind. Whoever or whatever shapes your mind, rules your life, and controls your destiny. So it's absolutely essential that the Scripture shape our thoughts. This Scripture that is the sword of the Spirit because it comes from the Spirit, all the Bible is inspired by God and is used by the Spirit to shape our lives and the lives of others with whom we share the Scriptures. So in this battle, 
in the midst of the evil day, when we're standing our ground and we're in a life and death, hand-to-hand combat, the word of God is central. That's what Paul makes very, very clear here. And it's all about the mind. Now, Paul says this in other places, a familiar passage, of course, Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This world, I own in Greek, means literally this age. So this age is the age of sin and death. This is the age in which the powers are at work, oppressing people and destroying lives. Into this age comes the new age, the kingdom of God. It is light opposed to darkness. Jesus brings it in, but but still the old age persists. And so we live in an in-between period. Christ will return and the new will obliterate the old. But until then, it is a battle and we're in the midst of that battle. So don't be conformed, Paul says, to the pattern of this age which comes under the dominion of these powers, but be transformed. The verb in Greek is present tense. It means continually. Be continually transformed by the renewing of your mind. Nous in Greek, meaning not just pure intellect, but your beliefs, your values, your attitude, your habitual ways of thought, you might say your mindset, your perspective on things, the perspective that shapes the way you actually live. He says, your mind needs to be renewed. You are a new person in Christ, a new creation, part of the new covenant, following a new command. Well, you need a new mind too. And that is coming one day But until then, it is something we have to fight for. See, we have to have our minds renewed on the battlefield. So we hold to the word of God, which renews our mind, but it will be contested. That's why it's so difficult, because the powers keep pressing in, trying to fill our minds with darkness and error and lies. We see them all around us. Where do we find the truth? in Scripture. So we have to take up that sword, and we have to fight. Some years ago, one of the largest churches in America commissioned a study. It was called the Reveal Study, and it was a survey of their congregation. They wanted to know how people were doing spiritually. Were people growing in Christ? Were they making progress in overcoming sin, in in having their lives conform more perfectly to the will of, of Christ. So they started this survey, and wow, what it revealed. What it revealed was a large number of people in the church, perhaps even a majority, and I don't remember all the statistics, all the percentages and all the rest, but I remember as this large number of people who said, you know, I'm pretty much not making any progress. I'm frustrated in my Christian life. And then they found out, if I, again, I don't hold me to the percentage, but I seem to remember as 40%. They found out that 40% of the people in the church had been thinking in the recent past about switching churches. That got the pastor's attention. 
They were thinking about switching church. Why? Because they were discouraged and, and things just weren't working for them. I have no doubt if we did a survey of our church and it was confidential, we'd find a lot of people thinking, you know, maybe I need to look for another church. I'm just not, I'm just not growing. Now, there are times when it is right for someone to leave one church to another. Life changes, situations change, and it makes sense. Many of you have come from another church to this one. We've had people leave our church to go to others, and, and I have no doubt that in many cases that's exactly as, as God was leading. So I, I'm, not, I'm not speaking of that. But there's a, kind of, there's a kind of consumerist mentality. I'm not growing. I'm not thriving. Maybe there's a church somewhere that'll get me over the hump. Well, after that initial study, the church said, we need to know more. And so they expanded it, and they ran it again through their congregation, but they began to share it with other churches as well. And they found what the key factor was in people growing spiritually, in making progress in their faith, and it wasn't finding the perfect church. Now, you already know where I'm going with this because of the subject of the sermon, right? You already know what the answer is going to be, but I have to tell you a secret. Um, I know we've got at least a couple of people in this service who served on the search committee that called me. And so that was a lengthy process, lots of questions, lots of discussion. And at one point, I had a list of questions that they asked me to answer in writing, which I did. And I referenced this reveal study, and I said, if you ask me, I'll tell you what the results were, that is, what this key factor was. And you know, with all the questions they asked, they never asked me that. <laughs> I saw Ken Cooper. Where are you, Ken? I don't see him. He was on person. There he is. Ken, you were the chair of that committee. You never asked me that. Did you know that? <laughs> you knew the answer. <laughs> well, you know what? If you read the Bible, you know the answer. What the Reveal study found was that people who read their Bibles regularly, personally, not just having it read to them, but they are engaged in the Bible. Those who read the Bible as the Word of God, not just a text, but as the Word of God, seeking the truth of God in the Bible, people who do that grow spiritually. They thrive spiritually. They make progress in their lives. And those who don't do that don't make progress. I mean, it's that simple. That was the key finding. You think, well, it's not rocket science. No, it's not. But it's a confirmation of what Scripture makes very clear. Our minds need to be renewed. How are they renewed? They are renewed by the Word of God. So I'm a young Christian. I'm sitting in, I think, a Denny's somewhere in Baton Rouge. I'm talking with a man who's a minister on a local church staff named Frank. I hadn't been a Christian long, and I'm sitting there talking and, with him, and he's giving me his story. He's giving me his testimony. He said, 9-9-69, that's when I was saved. He's talking about September 9th, 1969. It was a Tuesday. There was a, a revival service in Shreveport, Louisiana, at an Assembly of God church. And Frank, Frank was a young man and lost as could be. He was a hippie, the real thing. You know, sometimes we talk about hippies. He really was 
a hippie back in 1969. I mean, he dressed the part. He drank, swallowed, and smoked everything he could come across to alter his consciousness. He was not in a good place. In fact, you want to know how bad? He listened to the Beatles' White Album that was released in 1968, and he thought, I get the message. They're sending a message. I get the message. He actually called Liverpool and got into the secretary of George Harrison. He said, I just need you to tell George that I got the message. Of course, they kept him away from George. (laughs) You know who else thought he was getting a message from the White Album? Charles Manson, the serial, the, the, the mass murderer. Frank was not in a good place. He goes in, and he's he's in this revival service, and to make a long story short, it is a long story, the the son of the pastor went up and started talking with him and shared the gospel with him, and he was saved on the spot. So I asked him, Frank, well, how did your life change? What what happened? He said, you know, (laughs) this won't surprise you. I didn't have a job. I said, I didn't have a job for a while. He said, after I was saved, I opened the Bible, and it was like it came alive to me. He said, I began reading the Bible for six, eight, ten hours a day. He said, I just couldn't get enough. I just continually read the Scriptures. I looked at his Bible. It was open on the table. It was marked up everywhere, underlining, pictures in the margins, all that kind of stuff. I said, yeah, I could see. So, no, not, it wasn't this one. I've gone through two Bibles since then. I had to get new ones because I had marked up the old ones so much. He said, I just kept reading the Bible, and he said, it rewired my mind. It healed my brain. It changed my life. That was way back in 1969 it happened, but it happens today. There's a member of this church, a woman that I'll call Sharon, who came forward after a service one Sunday. Then I said something about the power of the Word of God, and she came down. She was really excited. She said, I want to say it's really true. And she told me her story, and the details don't matter because we all understand how things go. Her family was facing deep complicated, painful, difficult times. It was hard. And she said she was full of fear and anger and guilt. She said, my mind was just obsessing and I just couldn't get a hold of my thoughts. She was in constant turmoil and nothing helped until she turned to the Word of God. And she said, I began to read the Bible as I hadn't before, and, and, and um, Beth Moore, thank you. How soon they forget, right? Beth Moore had, had this Bible memorization plan, and she started doing some memorizing the Bible, but then she kicked it up into a new gear, and she started picking whole chapters of the Bible, and she began to just focus on that and memorize it, saying it out loud over and over again. She did that day after day. And this went on for weeks and then months. And one day, she had this sense, it dawned on her. The scripture says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And she said, you know what? I feel joy. 
I feel joy. She said, and she said this to me yesterday because I called her to ask if I could use this, this story, her testimony. And she said yesterday, the word of God healed my mind. She said it straightened it out. It was an interesting way she talked about it. Straightened it out. The way she was conceiving it was the word of God leads you straight forward and you put aside the lies and the distortion on either right or left and you go straight forward with the Lord. The word of God filling your mind. What a difference it made for her. The word of God will change your life and give you victory in battle. And what is true for you is true for your children. Parents are worried. They're worried because they see what's happening in the world today. It troubles them deeply. But the word of God can protect your children. You'd like to keep them innocent forever if you could, but you can't keep them innocent. They are going to be exposed to far more than you want them to see and hear far sooner than you think they should. But you can teach them. In Deuteronomy 6, Moses tells the people that they are to take the commandments of God and put them on their heart. And then he says, impress them on your children. See, you talk to your children and you explain to them the truth. And, and the reality of the world well, they're going to learn that, and what you have to do is help them understand it in light of the truth of God, in light of what's right and wrong, how to deal with those who would, who would try to get them to take a different path. You have to impress these things on your children, teach your children, form their minds as you, as you impress the Word of God onto them, and God will keep them safe. And even if for some period they may go astray, the Word of God still in their heart will be used by the Holy Spirit to keep tugging them back, to bring them back where they need to be. So don't be afraid. Be intentional in teaching your children. That's the key. Be intentional. And so in summing up this simple message, this message of the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. There's an image that, that strikes me as so rich and so helpful. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, it speaks of David's mighty men, his mighty warriors. These are the men who went with him into battle, and there was one named Eleazar. And Eleazar was with David when the Philistines came and engaged Israel in battle. And it says the Israelites fled before the Philistines, but Eleazar stood his ground. And he began to smite the Philistines right and left with his sword. And he continued to battle until his hand grew tired and cramped, and he could not remove it from the handle of the blade. He could not remove it. Afterwards, I suppose they had to pry his fingers loose. And it says in the scripture that the Lord won a great victory on that day. And that's what we have to do. We could use some victories around here. We could use some victories in our lives in this city and in this nation and around the world. We need some victories. It is through the word of God 
Israel fled and Eliezer stood his ground. Paul says on the evil day, having done everything, stand. God help us to stand, to hold on to the sword of the Spirit, to wield it in battle, to never let it go till we can't let it go. Amen. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the powerful, Spirit-inspired Word of God. And it's our prayer, Lord, that you would fill our minds and hearts with this Word. Lord, as we study, study so intently that we find ourselves reflecting on it during the day, meditating on it, even memorizing it. Lord, may your Word heal our minds, change our lives, transform us. May we use that word in speaking to others that it may change them as well. Do your work in us. Do your work in us by your mighty word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.